Welcome to the High Performance CEO Podcast. This show is made with one purpose, to help you create a self-driven and engaged high-performance organization, where we deliver you proven strategies and expert interviews on how to drive significant profit growth, create a stress-free ownership culture, and give you the time freedom you always wanted from your business. And now, here's your host, highly sought-after business growth strategist and executive coach, Patrick Rogers. This is Patrick Rogers, and today we have the privilege to have Amos Peterson on the show, and Amos is the CEO of FarPro. Welcome to the show, Amos. Hi, thanks, Patrick. Yeah, man, awesome to have you. So Amos is an innovator and serial entrepreneur with a passion for economics. He has founded companies involved in everything from wireless communications to artificial intelligence, even to bioengineering. And he's currently the founder and CEO of FarPro, and that's a digital animal health company seeking to change the way we grow animals for food with their Century Precision Livestock Management System. I know we're going to dive into that, Amos, and explain exactly what all that means and, and go into your journey and all that. Before we get to that, what's one interesting fact about yourself that not many people know, Amos? Yeah, so I don't. Yeah, I don't think many people know that uh, I can actually I I can control my hiccups, and I've actually taught other people how to do that. Really? As well, yeah. Is it uh, is uh, it hard to I, explain or? Uh, I can explain it. I mean, you know, for yeah. your audience, if everyone would like to try it. So why not? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so when you're getting hiccups, right? You can feel yeah. it in in your chest here right yeah yeah so if you if you thrust your jaw out like while the, the bottom your, jaw yeah, like the bottom jaw and stretch uh -huh. your neck like that and then try to like make yourself burp a little bit right like it's that huh. same feeling like that pushing can, out like yeah yeah you can unwind that knot in your throat really that's happening yeah I mean, the only way I've time. heard to get rid of hiccups is what the, the breathe in a paper oh, bag. Yeah. Oh, breathe in a paper bag or, you know, salt or, or get scared, scare you or something. Yeah. But I, yeah. I mean, that's I, this works every time. If so so I extend it. my jaw out. If I'm getting hiccups, yeah. I try to time it. So, so when I, when a hiccup hits uh -huh. me, you can feel it. You can feel yeah. the hiccup coming, right? Okay. So when the All hiccup's right. coming, right? <laughs> you pull your jaw, you pull your jaw out like that. It's so your neck muscle stretched all the way down uh -huh. to where the hiccup is yeah. happening. Yeah. And then you just kind of unwind it with a, like a burp. Yeah. Like sort, almost right? like a, like you're purposely breathing in. Yeah. Do you have to breathe in the exact same time the hiccups coming or you just wait for I, it? And then it, and it kind of, it's like an unwinding feeling. Oh, right? It's like you're reversing the same yeah, it's action. Like reversing the yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool, man. I'm going to have to try it out. Time. It works every time. All right. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know. It's, cool, man. That's, that's an interesting fact. Awesome. Nice. Um, cool. So tell us about far pro man. What, what, what does it mean when you say century precision, precision livestock management system? What is that? Yeah, so uh, precision livestock farming is the concept of using sensors and information to uh, improve your operations, right? Your livestock operations. And often that just means taking the temperature in a barn and trying to infer from the temperature how the animals are doing, right? Yeah. Or some other environmental right. uh, measurement like humidity. We've taken it all the way down to the individual animal level. So we have a, a wearable device. Uh, it's called the Sentry Tracker. 
it's like an earring that the pigs wear, but it's really, it, it performs the same function as a Fitbit for people. Oh. So it monitors their body temperature, body reference temperature, the ambient temperature, and then analyzes their behavior through their head movements. You can dial everything in just from the movements of the head relative to the body. And then that but, lets us uh... know if the animal's getting lame, uh, getting sick, if they are stressed out, you know, if they're so, you know, laying so you down, have like eating enough. Profile, you have a profile of like a healthy pig mm-hmm. and how many times, how much movement they're having, how fast they're moving. Well, yeah, it's a little bit more uh, in depth than that. It's not al- algorithmic as much as it is uh, driven by uh, behavior models, right? So there's an AI component and uh, it's... Mm. It's really, it's adaptable to any other species, but, you know, our models right now are for swine. So, gotcha. yeah, it's, uh, it, it's really interesting. Right now we have about 90% accuracy in the six basic functions, which are just, you know, standing, sitting, lying, eating, drinking, um, sleeping, those kinds of things. But you can learn a lot from understanding those behaviors. So, so what do you mean by the six basic functions? So standing, sitting, eating, sleeping, like what about those basic functions? Yeah. So if you are, if the animal is uh, starting to go lame, right, which is a very, it's important to detect that early right. for uh, good health outcomes for sows, for instance. Okay. Then you'll see whenever the animal, whenever the animals around a person, because they're prey animals, they actually don't exhibit that lameness behavior right Mm. but then when they are when they are alone or at night then they will stand less they will eat less they will uh lay down more often right so you've actually got um you've got the ability to see the things that people can't normally see because you're watching them 24 7 and they're not aware that anyone's there watching them you know, conversely, right. if you if you were to go into a room with the animals, they'd all try to behave like they were well, right? So you wouldn't actually catch the lameness problem until it was critical. Like they actually just could not stand anymore. It's like too late, pretty much. Yeah, it's too late. Yeah, exactly. So, so what kind of an impact does this have for swine farmers or pig farmers? Well, it's a it's a pretty massive impact. That's just one of our value propositions, but it's been determined uh, in research that it's worth about fifty dollars per sow per year. Uh, early detection of lameness so um you know that's that's really table stakes and then you know other things that we're able to do or are will soon be able to do are are like uh like heat detection aggression detection uh also if you're looking at Oh gosh, it's a little inside baseball, but there's a metric called average daily gain. It's just how productive the yeah. growing animal is, right? How mm-hmm. how well it converts feed into yeah. into tissue, right? Yeah. So that is of high interest to genetics companies. Mm. And our technology can actually has determined that animals that are more relaxed and restful mm-hmm. grow at a significantly higher rate than those that are right. just less and, stress you know, anxious and, on the body exactly, right, right. Yeah, all that right. so these are insights that we haven't had before and wow. it's it's worth a lot to the industry to be able yeah. to monitor those things so yeah really mm-hmm. increase their production their output um, yeah 
and, and, and it's a happier animal too. So the happier well, animal, the quality of the meat's going to be better. Is that, is that, a that's, a, that's absolutely right. The less stress, the, the better the meat, the, the better it grows. I mean, the happier the employees, no employee wants to be managing animals right. that are in a stress condition, right? No, it causes them stress. So, right. You know, yeah. so it's a, it's a triple win actually. Wow. quadruple win because we can then take that information and pass it on to the consumer so they right. know that these animals have been grown yeah. in a way that matches their needs and, their and they could probably charge a little bit higher of a mark uh, that's a right that's it. the yeah. decommoditization of a commoditized yeah. uh, protein industry sure. right which sure. is yeah. important because animals aren't like grains of wheat no. right i mean no you it's know new commoditization value that's right mm -hmm. commoditization of an animal has implications that commoditization of grain does not so amos how did you get into this man this is like so freaking niche yeah it's really interesting so i uh so i've always been interested in serving my neighbor you know my neighbors my community uh, -huh. yeah. uh the region right so yeah. i i had some opportunities to to go elsewhere but um i i began oh gosh uh, i think in 2010 mm -hmm looking for uh for ways that i could bring uh, high-speed internet access to rural communities using mm -hmm. you know assets that are commonly found there like you know grain bins and towers and things like that i grew a wireless network to about 400 square miles and then wow. uh, i started looking at ways that i could deliver the service more efficiently so that's mm -hmm. where i got into a wireless throughput and protocol that uh would allow us to grow and expand as a mesh network. Mm. So, uh, so that's where the, the wireless came from. And then, you know, as, as I was getting, as I was looking for funding to expand that business, we ended up selling it off. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then I was looking into ways that we could adapt that same technology for uh, cellular networks. So failover to a, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, wireless network from the cell in mm -hmm. case there was a disaster, you know, tornado mm -hmm. or hurricane comes through and knocks down the cell towers. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you, you don't have first responder access to the people that need it right when they need it. So mm -hmm. I was looking to address that issue and, uh, working on, I was, you know, I was pitching that to, uh, local investors who didn't, weren't really, um, attuned to the needs of say, like, folks in the the philippines who might have need for a system like that because of yeah. the you know typhoons etc and i found an opportunity with in the pork industry because i'm in iowa there's a there are a lot of pigs in iowa i think it's like 35 percent of the nation's pigs are in iowa so i uh, looked for ways to improve that and since i had been a farm kid and we had grown animals when i was younger right. i was aware of some of those same smallholder issues but as I got introduced to the commercial side of things, it was apparent that they hadn't adopted any technology beyond the, the tech that we had used in the smallholder farm. So it was really like this underserved area that was in desperate need of innovation. And so uh, I just, you know, rolled up the things that I had learned and kind of went, you know, began studying uh, biosystems engineering and uh, met some great people went through an accelerator for uh what was then called the haven it was like an incubator that would protect the animals from the harsh environment and then we split the intelligence part of that off so that it would track individual animals 
and that became the century wow. system. Wow, so, wow man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's such a, it's just so interesting how we progress through, uh, careers and business and get to where we are now. It's, it's what you probably never would imagine. Never you that well I swore I would never become a farmer. I swore I would never work with it, you know, because I, I had to do it when I was younger, I was carrying buckets of frozen buckets of water, you know, through the Iowa tundra, um, you know, to the animals. And I, it, it's a, it's a difficult profession. And I, I swear I would never be a farmer and I ended up uh, in a place that uh, I never thought I would be, but I get to serve the industry from the other side of things. So. Yeah. Very cool, man. So I know you had mentioned too, that um, you, you guys were starting to really gain some momentum going into COVID and then you had some real, real interesting things happen. Why don't you tell us more about that? Yeah. Uh, so COVID we had, like I was uh, talking about the scent or the uh, Haven microclimate was in trials with you know six of the top 20 pork producers. And we had, we had people kind of lined up to try it out and had just come out with really good data from, you know, both independent laboratories and research in- institutions, universities that showed that it could reduce uh, what's called pre wean mortality by up to 30%. So it was, uh, it was real encouraging. That was April of 2020, right? And in late April of 2020, the, I don't know if you recall this, but the packers all got shut down. The meat processing plants Mm. got shut down by COVID Mm. and everything in the world, everything, at least in this part of the world, including animal ag is just in time, right? So you get the animals that morning, you know, you, the animals are processed on the bat, on the front end, the animals, there's already, you know, breeding going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the whole process doesn't stop. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you stop the packing, the, the meat processors, mm. everything got backed up behind it and there was just nowhere to put animals. Right. Mm. So it was, a. Uh, it was kind of a crazy situation. And I think a lot of places they, you know, they got creative. They, they tried to sell the animals locally or, you know, they shifted them around, but the long and short of it was that our technology, which promised to solve a problem, which was, uh, you know, you're not getting enough animals. You're not getting enough production out of your, out of your animals because of this, uh, mortality loss. Well, that wasn't the problem anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was, you know, all of our pilots went dark or I mean the, you know, the talks that we had for pilots and it was, we were just kind of left there uh, wondering how to serve the industry, you know, what, what we should do. I mean, I think every, a lot of people were at that time. Right. Mm. And uh, we looked at the sentry system or we looked at the Haven and the mm-hmm. technology that we built into this enclosure and thought, you know, it, it really, it, it would be easier mm-hmm. if we just went full bore. On, I mean, this is on a roadmap, but if we just went full bore toward individual animal behavior analysis, right. Mm. And just kind of jumped ahead in the roadmap all the way to where we thought we would be and, you know, raise on that and build that during the period of, uh, 
you know, uncertainty. And we came out of it with um, greater partnerships, you know, some new investors and, and a technology that is frankly a unique in the world for what it does. So, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, are, what other kind of things, uh, I mean, you guys are, are growing very, very quickly. You're, uh, did you take on investors? Yes, we did. Yeah. We we've been through three rounds of investment now. So, okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. What's, um, how have you been able to, you know, this is just an interesting niche, right? How have you been able to kind of get that market penetration? How are you getting the word out about something so freaking niche? Yeah. You know, that is, that's a, it's a good question. So in, in our end, in this industry, they're really, the sales cycle is long. Yeah. So capital has to be a little patient. So, I mean, we've made incredible progress and we have, you know, maybe the only alternative to say implantable behavior monitoring devices in the world is being uh, trialed with, you know, major research institutions and, you know, some of the top, uh, some of the leaders in, in uh, swine production. But it's been a long time, you know, the re there are reasons that the pork industry hasn't ad adopted technology very quickly, right? It's, uh, it's hard to get in, there are biosecurity concerns. You can transmit, you can give flu to an animal, right? So uh, there are also issues, like it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. The producers think of inside the barn as the clean side, right? So you actually have to shower, uh, completely shower and, and disinfect yourself to be permitted into a barn, right? Wow. It's like a, it's like, you know, biohazard protocol. Uh -huh. So when you're talking about developing in that environment, which is also very caustic, just getting the relationships and the trust build up for them to uh, work with you, you know, takes a while. So that, you know, we have... Um, you know, we've worked on building those relationships over the last few years. And, you know, the good thing is that then becomes a moat, you know, so mm -hmm. once you're in, you're kind of in. Mm. And, uh, and that's really kept us where we are. So, you know, it's that long term partnerships that make the difference between companies that survive in the in the ag in the pork tech space, mm. and those that you know, kind of fizzle out. So. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned that, um, if I remember correctly, that uh, one, of, one of the biggest failures that you had talked about that, that would might be good to bring up was you had some bad partnerships early on that, that you had thought, you know, hey, I didn't, I wasn't able to, or I did not exit them soon enough. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's something you learn. We hadn't been, or I hadn't been involved in deep in manufacturing before, you know, so we, mm. I'd done uh, electrical design, but yeah. you know, the heavy manufacturing part yeah. is really just a coordinating all of the vendors and supply chain and making sure that, uh, you know, you have in, in our case, you know, we needed certifications, uh, UL, we were building, um, one of our products is a graphene powered heat mat for animals, right? So, you know, pets can use it, but this is meant to keep piglets warm because they need to be kept warm when they're very young. And you think it's very simple. It's just, you know, 
formed plastic, a cord, and a, a graphene heating panel. But if you if you don't have the right vendors and you don't have, uh, I would say, like an open and transparent relationship with everyone in that chain, you know, anyone else's problem becomes your problem very quickly. Yeah, it comes right up right? the value chain. Yeah, chain. exactly. So there was a little working out, you know, who we could rely on and, and who we couldn't. And um, and then, you know, COVID, the lockdowns didn't help. I think, you know, you, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of stories of supply chain disruption. Well, we were trying oh, to absolutely. figure it out at the same time, you know. So, I mean, in one sense, we benefited because we didn't have deeply entrenched supply yeah. chains that just yeah. went to heck and then... Um, you know, we had to rebuild them, but it was still, you know, it was still an interesting experience. We ended up one of our, uh, in fact, one of our manufacturers for this mat, um, just, uh, it was crazy. We, we put in an order mm -hmm. and, you know, we had some critical pilots lined up and they just decided to, you know, stop the relationship, you know? Oh, wow. It was the minute that we actually uh, started to scale, you know, they pulled back and said they wanted to focus on core business. So it's, you know, one of those, uh, one of those things you just learn from experience. And, you know, actually after that design, after that relationship ended, uh, we did our own proprietary design and yeah. we were able to, you know, make it for, make it easier and for uh, less, less cost. Yeah than the uh than the manufacturer could himself so yeah i mean you're exactly right though i mean the, the your relationships your vendors we rely on them they're critical for our business and if they have problems or if they are unable to you know show up it can literally like it would cost you like you said hundreds of thousands of dollars and oh, and just stall the heck out of your company I mean, you know, we were burning and we've been through, we've been through lean periods and mm -hmm. I think we were burning quite a bit, you know, during that time and, and really just focused on going as fast as we could. And yeah, wow. So it was it, that vendor pulled out. And then um, I think you recall the Silicon Valley banking crisis, right? Oh yeah, just what a month ago or two. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's fresh in everyone's mind. So we were a week away from uh, depositing our money into Silicon Valley Bank, oh, wow. and we had established relationships with some of their investors. We we're looking at, uh, you know, operating line and a line of credit for tooling for this. This, you know, we're pulling pulling manufacturing for some of our products and from China into the United States and uh, tooling up for that, just, you know, going full bore. And then, you know, it's just one thing after the other, right? But, you know, you bob and weave and adjust and spend some 16-hour days, you know, reformulating. Yep. And yep. Uh, that's how you get through it. Come back to the table. Yeah, no, that's mm. all good stuff. Um, awesome. So, so let me ask, if you were going to hire a CEO to take the reins for your company, which you will at some point, uh, what's the one book you'd require that they read before taking over for you? You know, that's a good question. I think the book that I think is the, the most uh, kind of value dense, I think, for that application in, in our specific company would be The Innovator's Dilemma. Mm. Because it really, you know, it, it gets to the heart of 
why businesses that ought to have every advantage in the world fail and why those that seem like they're uh, destined to fizzle out often succeed wildly, but then, you know, sometimes become those large businesses with, uh, with inertia that, you know, drags them down again. Right. So it's, it's another way to look at, at the life cycle of a a business. It's almost like that one saying, you know, hard times make weak men. (laughs) It's, it's something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Thing going cool. on there yeah so. yeah well let me ask if there was one takeaway that you'd really want the audience to, to absorb from our time together today what would that be Ames? you know i would say uh person i mean it's been said many times right but occasionally you'll you'll see a reporter or or someone posit that luck is what drives success in entrepreneurship or startups and I, I mean, I disagree a hundred percent. I think mm. the difference between most startups that succeed and fail is that the ones that succeed often look like they were going to fail to everyone mm. at some point. And yet the management, the founder, the drivers in that company pushed through and did things they didn't think were possible. Right. And, you know, that's, that's really, uh, you know, that's been been my experience through a lot of these recent years. And, yeah. you know. Cool. Yeah, I no, I love that, though. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, pushing through that adversity, you know, when, when you're when you're in that fourth quarter and everybody's not rooting for you and thinks that it's, it's not going to happen and you figure it out. That's right. You know, you dig deep, you know, one more rep, you know, one more down, whatever it is, like you just... You don't quit. You don't fail unless you quit. Yeah. So um, coming back to the conversation, just a couple more th- thoughts came to mind. So you're right now you're focusing on pig and swine. Um, do you, I, I would imagine you see yourself at kind of, you sounded like you alluded to it going into other livestock and other opportunities. Uh, when do you think that's going to happen? And uh, you know, h- how far out are you? Yeah, we're already exploring some of those options. We've been in poultry, although poultry economics are a little different. I mean, it's a, you know, kind of a lower value, smaller animal, smaller animal bird. So the, you know, the technology has to adapt to the wing or the leg or something, but, uh, but cattle and especially dairy cattle are, are good next markets, you know, but we really want to go deep in the pork industry, mm. uh, deep and then broad into some of these other species. And then, you know, in fact, there are applications that, you know, if, if I could wave a magic wand and go back a couple of years, I would have begun to work in uh, human health as well. So, you know, I've had some, yeah, I've had some recent experiences with, uh, you know, like my young son who had to go to the hospital and I've seen firsthand how, actually you know human medicine does not track a lot of this uh, a lot of these behaviors or a lot of the biometrics while the patients are in the hospital and um you know the things that we could learn from uh from that information are immeasurably more valuable than 
what we're doing right now. So I hope, yeah. I hope we get to that some point or that somebody else does, but it's definitely a, cool. Yeah. Um, but, really but I love what you're saying about going deep on, on the swine and, and just really, you know, they always say it's better to go uh, an inch wide and a mile deep than, than a mile right. wide and an inch deep. Right. Because that's, that's right. where commoditization occurs and, you know, competition yep. and you're going to go, you know, super, you know, short on, on the width and then just go super deep mm -hmm. and that will mm -hmm. just leave. I mean, nobody could ever catch up to you. Absolutely. You know, you build, that's how you build your moat. And then you're, you know, you're protected as you enter those other markets. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, hey, it, great to have you on the show. Um, if any of our listeners wanted to reach out and get a hold of you for any follow-up questions from today, or perhaps there's a, a pig farm or swine farmer that, or any kind of livestock that they wanted to reach out and have questions on your product, what's the best way to do that, Amos? Yeah, you could just reach out to me directly. It's uh, Amos, A-M-O-S, at fairpro, F-A-R-R-P-R-O.com, or you can hit us up on the website. And uh, yeah, I'd be happy to, I'd be happy to respond to any of the outreach or questions that your audience could send my cool. way. Awesome. A Amos, again, thanks for being on the show, man. Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah. Have cool. So for the, for the listeners out there, please hit the like and subscribe button and help us spread the word about the show and what we're doing here. We're helping the next generation of leaders and CEOs be that much more successful with that. This is Patrick Rogers, your host, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the High Performance CEO Podcast with your host, Patrick Rogers. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out our main website at patrickvrogers.com for much more valuable information and free resources.